All right, guys, how are y'all doing? Hey, good. Hey, if you have your Bible, find Ephesians 5 again. Uh, this is the passage we were in this morning uh, to help guide our thoughts, and we're going to let it guide us again. I hope y'all have had an awesome weekend so far. And I hope, like Aaron was saying at the very beginning, I hope y'all are thinking carefully about all the things that we're talking about in the, in the big group sessions, in your small group sessions. Um, and if you can, if you haven't so far, that's all right. If you don't have a means to, it's all right. But if you can, I would, I would encourage you to, um, to take notes. Take notes on what, what we're talking about in the big group sessions and, and even in your, in your small groups. Be taking notes um, because, and, and if, I, I, I would think that these are being recorded. Are they being recorded, Aaron? Yeah, they're being recorded. So I would encourage you after this weekend is over to go and listen to these things again and again because um, you don't always, in normal times, you don't always hear all that you need to hear the first time you hear it. And, and I would say, certainly on a weekend like this, that's going to be doubly true, but for a number of reasons, not least of which, uh, I know for a fact, some of you are operating on very little sleep, uh, and, and, and it's just an easily distracting time, uh, and, and, and so you, you, know, you don't catch everything. So um, I would encourage you to take good notes when you're here, and go back and listen to these things again. It'll be for your good. But anyway, for this third session... We're going to zoom in a little closer on, on some things that we began talking about this morning. Um, this morning, we talked about technology from the, the vantage point of common grace, global distortion, and the need for wisdom. We camped out on really the need for wisdom, and we said that the wisdom that we need, the Bible says we need to, to handle anything, but certainly the technology in our lives, uh, Ephesians 5 would tell us that it involved understanding yourself understanding the world around you, and to understand both of those things based on what Scripture says about both of those things. And you cannot, you just can't have a, a wise and a sound grasp on, um, on your phone, on how to use your phone, or the internet, or video games, or whatever it is, if you don't have um, a good understanding of what the Bible teaches you about those things, about the God who intends these things uh, for good, His common grace is in them, but also understanding the world in which these things were invented and, and that there, there's, there's fallen, fallen aspects, sinful aspects in the purposes and intentions and designs for some of these things. And so um, you, you, you need to understand what the Bible teaches about your own heart and what your own heart's weaknesses and temptations and tendencies are. Um, and, and then, and then, yeah, what, what, what the world is producing in these technologies. And then based on what scripture says, act accordingly. That is not just true for technology. That's actually a recipe for wisdom in any area of your life. Know the Bible, know what the Bible teaches about the world around you and your own self, and then act accordingly. Um, that's, that's certainly true for anything, but it's particularly true for how we handle the technologies of the internet of your phone or the phone that you're begging your parents to give you, you know, um, those technologies, the reason it's particularly true and doubly true of those things, because like we said this morning, those particular technologies have a capability in your life that other technologies simply do not have. 
Uh, we talked a little bit about that this morning. I mentioned this morning James K.A. Smith said something in his book, You Are What You Love. He said that of the habits that we have, any habit that you have in your life, he said of habits that we have in our lives, these aren't just things you're doing. They're doing something to you. When you're, when you're doing whatever habit that is you have, every time you do it, it's doing something to you in return. Uh, and that's true for all of our habits, no matter what it is, but, but it's doubly true of when it comes to these kinds of technologies because how we use the internet or our phones is because those things don't just happen to do something to us in return. They're designed to. They are actively designed to. So if we look again in Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, one more time, we're going to remember that understanding yourself, understanding the world, understanding the Scriptures is not all that's involved in walking in wisdom. There was one more thing. So look at that with me. Um, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Um, therefore, do not be foolish, but understanding what, understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, according to that passage, what is the one more thing that I'm going to zoom in on that's required to walk in wisdom other than understanding yourself, understanding the world, in the scriptures. Anybody know what phrase I'm going to zoom in on? It's Remember the driving a, uh, analogy that I gave you from J.I. Packer this morning, that he compared it to driving, and that, that knowledge is like seeing that there's a curve in the road ahead. Wisdom, then, is the ability to know what to do when you get there, and then doing it when you do get there, right? And so, if, you, if you're looking at Ephesians 5, and and and, and you see in his language here that wisdom is not just paying careful attention to yourself, and it's not just understanding that in the world that the days are evil, and it's not just understanding the Scriptures when he says, know the will of the Lord. It's taking all of that and then making the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time. That's the last bit of wisdom. It's, it's that now that... It, Understanding yourself, understanding the world, understanding the Scriptures, that's like seeing the curve in the road. Making the best use of the time is like turning the wheel when you get there, right? That's the bit we need to talk about tonight. Tonight, we need to get a little more specific about living in a technological world. Knowing what Scripture says about ourselves and the world we live in when it comes to technology, how, how then do we live in that world? How do we make the best use of my life in it? And if you're taking notes, which I just encourage you to do, here's how I want us to think about it. I'm going to lay it out for you before we, I'm going to lay it all out for you, and then we're going to go through it, all right? So here's the first thing we're going to think about. First, we need to have a clear understanding of what I'm going to call the chaos, the chaos of living in a technological world, the chaos of it, that thinking particularly about the internet and our phones. It may not feel like chaos to you, but it's not a bad description, okay? And I hope you, I'll try to explain what I mean. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the costs, the costs uh, of living unwisely or living foolishly, the cost of living foolishly in a technological world like we do. Costs that we experience because of some of the unwise ways we use technology, especially present in our phones. And then once we've considered the chaos and the cost, we're going to come back to think about the course correction, the course correction. Basically, now that we have a clearer understanding of what we're up against, how then do we live wisely? 
And we're just going to begin that conversation tonight. Aaron's going to finish it in the morning. Um, how do we make the best use of the time? And remember, you know, I'm going to, I don't, I don't, uh, there's two ways you can come at this. And, and one is, and we, we've been talking about foolishly, like, just, just buying wholeheartedly into all these, these uh, technologies without, without, just in an unthinking way, just thinking everything's good and cool and I'm just going to do it in a, in a mindless kind of way. That's one way you can go the error. But this talk is called living. The other end is this. You're living in a technological world. In other words, it is the world we live in. We, we can't run away from it either. I mean, you, you, can, you can immerse yourself in it foolishly and be an unthinking person. That's one error. The other error is the thinking you can escape it altogether. You can't. It's the world we live in. Uh, we can't run away from it, nor should we. We shouldn't for a couple of reasons. One, because it's impossible. And two, because we remember that almost all technology has God's common grace in it. Nor should we run away from that. It's, and so it's more beneficial to us to learn how to live wisely in it. Okay? So that said, let's try to get a clear understanding of the chaos of living in a technological world. Sometimes you don't, you don't realize the situation that you're in until you are exposed to something different. Sometimes you don't understand the situation that you're in until you're exposed to something different. Uh, the, the example that C.S. Lewis gave, or to use a, 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 an image that C.S. Lewis gave in Mere Christianity, a fish does not know he's wet. I'm, I'm sure if you could crawl up into a fish's mind, it never crosses his mind that he is wet until he's flopping around on dry ground. Right? And then you realize, I want to be wet again. That thing I was never even thinking about. Another silly example in my life is when I first started dating Laura, who is now my wife. Um, I See, I, I have one older sister, and she was four grades ahead of me. So she, was, she had moved out of the house and come to Auburn uh, the year that I was just coming into high school. Okay? What that meant for me is that all of my high school years, I was more or less an only child in the house. And I didn't realize the quiet that that came with until I started dating Laura, who is the oldest of six kids, who at the time that I started dating her ranged from age four to 20. And they all lived in the same house. And that was a crazy house. It was like a zoo, and I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't realize the quiet I had grown accustomed to until I was exposed to the nut house that was her house. Why am I saying all that? Because we're about to talk about what I'm calling the chaos of living in a technological world, but you at this point may not feel, it may not feel chaotic to you at all. Um, and I would argue that's probably because it's all you've ever known. It's all you've ever known. Um, if, you are, if you are 16 years old or younger, you have never lived a day in your life in an iPhone-less world. Not a day. And if you are older than 16, let's say even if you're a senior in high school, uh, you, were, you were no more than two years old when the iPhone came out, and when you were two, you probably still didn't even know your own middle name, right? So for all practical purposes, you've lived your whole life in an iPhone world. 
And, and so it helps to have somebody who has known something other than that to speak into this issue, to describe for you what, what you may not have taken very much notice of, but you probably should. The truth is that we're living in a digitally saturated culture, and that digitally saturated, I, I cannot say that three times fast, that digitally saturated culture is noisy. It is so noisy. It's loud. I mean, in some ways, in its own way, it's screaming at you all the time. Um, new emails. All right, I, I, how many, if, for those of you who have phones, and I'm not trying to leave out those of you who don't, for those of you who do have phones, I want to I know who has the most unread emails on your phone. I checked my son Andrews yesterday. He didn't know I was doing it. As of yesterday, he had 704. Who you got? What do you got? 33,000. Oh, my God. Y'all. <laughs> okay. Does anybody does anybody have more than thirty three thousand? Okay, that that's. What do you have? Oh my gosh! Yeah, you do. But I'm just saying that that right there is showing you that that at that rate, new emails are coming like pretty constantly to have forty four thousand. Unless you started getting emails when you were two, huh? Yeah, it just doesn't work because it starts to become white noise. It's so loud all the time. And there's new emails. There's, there's a, a, a feed. It's called a feed of social media posts. A, a flood of information on the internet that's constantly updating. Breaking news. Fantasy football updates. New notifications. New podcasts. New episodes. New ads. New videos. New music. New updates, new video games, new texts, group texts, missed calls, Zoom calls, FaceTime, group me. It's always talking. It's just always talking, right? And, and because it's all digital, it, it, it's moving faster and faster. Uh, something, that, something can happen literally on the other side of the planet, and in less than five minutes, you not only know about it, you've seen a video of it because everybody that was there at the time was videoing on their phone and put it on social media, and you know. And the reason I say that that's chaotic is because this kind of constant input is, 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 a, is a new thing. Well, first of all, before I even say that, you as a human being are not created to be able to handle that much input and noise. It's why, it's why Andrew's saying, if you want to reach me, don't even email me because it's just, he can't handle 44,000 emails and he certainly can't handle 44,001 if you send him one, right? It's just, he can't, he can't sift through all of that. We aren't made to be able to handle that much information. And for the second reason, it's because this is a new thing. You were the first generation in the history of the world. The history of the world to have this kind of barrage of input for your entire 
life a generation ago. I mean, it's new in my life, a generation ago, and I'm of a different generation than you are. It was possible to turn off the input, to turn it off. When I was in college at Auburn, I mean, the internet was around, yes, um, and we used the internet almost on a daily basis. But the only place on campus that you could use the internet was in a computer lab. A computer, like they had a room. They had rooms in different places in camp, on campus right outside Foy that if you, if you wanted to use the internet, I had to physically get up out of my chair, leave the building I'm in, walk across campus, go find this room, look in. Is there a computer available? If so, there's a time limit. I go in there, I look up what I need, I get what I want, and I leave. And I leave the internet behind me. I leave the internet behind me. And you can imagine, in that kind of scenario, the internet just had a fraction of the presence in our lives, even though we used it every day. Just a fraction. I mean, as it does now when we're carrying it around with us everywhere we go. I'd really love to know what my screen time was then. And, and, and certainly people had, had cell phones, but if they did, most of them were like flip phones, right? The iPhone wasn't there, and I didn't even have that in college. I didn't have a cell phone in college. I didn't have a cell phone until the, the, the year after I graduated. Um, and, and, and I can remember days when I would leave class and I could go to the student center and I could hang out with my friends. By the way, I wouldn't know who was there until I showed up and saw who was there, right? Because I, I couldn't find somebody's location. That's just what? Anyway... Or if I just wanted to go back to my apartment and be quiet, I could go back to my apartment and be and have absolutely unconnected quiet. Just absolute quiet. And, 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 and you might say, well, I, we can still do that too. I can just turn my phone off. Yeah. But here's the deal with that. Like we are so conditioned, so conditioned by the constant noise that even when we turn it off, we're still thinking about it. We're still thinking about it when it's turned off. We still have the, that slight inclination to pick up the phone and scroll. And, and, and we're so conditioned by the noise that the thought of absolute quiet and unconnectedness scares us to death. Tony Reinke said in his book, 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You, he said, to be without the constant availability of distraction, to be without that, is solitary confinement, a punishment to be most dreaded. That is why in those moments when we realize we have forgotten our phone, lost it, or let the battery run out, we taste the captivity of a prison cell and it can be frightening. That feels like the last thing on earth you would want. But you should. You should. Um, I'm not saying... I'm not saying that we need to go back to, to flip phones. I'm not saying that would be a terrible idea for you, but I'm not saying you should. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm just saying we need to be awake. We need to be awake to, 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 uh, to, to how we're using these technologies. And perhaps if we are made aware of a, a better scenario, take me, for example, if I can remember a day in my own life, like I just described, where I, where I had, if I wanted to use the internet, I had to physically 
I had to go to great pains to do it. I had to get up and leave and walk somewhere else and do it. Okay, how can I still, even having a smartphone, how can I approximate that still today in my life? You know, well, one thing I can do is I can just take social media off my phone. That's just one way I could do it. That way, if I want to, if I want to look at my deal is Twitter. If I want to look at Twitter, like I can't just pick that up and do it. I have to wait until I'm somewhere where I can. Or I have to physically go and go to some other device to do it. I have to go to pains to do it. We just may have to, we have to be awake to how we're using these, these technologies and be more discerning in how we use them. We may have to ha make uh, intentional decisions to change how we've been using it. Because if we don't, there's going to be costs involved. Costs involved if we don't, uh, aren't discerning about this chaos of the, of the technological we live in and try to make smarter decisions, right? And these costs are not always obvious to us, but they are nonetheless. There are costs to ourselves. There are costs in how we relate to other people. There are costs in how we relate to God. Um, that we need to be aware of. One of the biggest, if we're just unthinking in, in, in how we use the technology we have, um, one of the biggest costs come in how we relate to other people. Communication with other people um, has changed as technolo technologies have changed. As, as different technologies come out, that's changed the way we communicate with people. Um, we know that technology forms us. We said that this morning, that everything, everything we do is doing something to us. Habits, habits change what we love and how much we love something. That's true when it comes to our habits with different technologies. And, and as phones have gotten more and more advanced, they have changed the way that we relate to each other. Um, because they make it possible um, to... to Man, they make, it, they make all kinds of things possible. They make it possible to communicate easily uh, with someone from a, a, a distance, and people grow to prefer that. You know, I don't want to call them. I don't want to talk to them. I'll just text them, right? It, it, makes, it, it, it adds a distance to our communication. Uh, and and, in, and in, in some ways, this isn't a new thing. It's just gotten easier and more advanced. Let me introduce you to a couple of terms and then tell you what they mean. The terms are these, mediated versus unmediated communication. Mediated versus unmediated communication. What in the world is that? Well, mediated sort of means middle, right? Or in between. In between. Mediated is like in between. So mediated, mediated communication would be me communicating to, with someone else through something. Uh, there's, some, there's me and there's the person I'm communicating with and I'm going, but there's something in between us. I'm going through something else to get to the other person. Does that make sense? I'm going through something else to get to the other person. And today that could be I'm going through a phone call to get to the other person. I'm going through a text to get to the other person. I'm going through FaceTime to get to the other person. That 
phone, that text, that FaceTime, that's the middleman. That's a, that's a middleman between me and the person I'm communicating with. And then unmediated communication then would be me communicating with another person with nothing between us, which means we're face-to-face. I'm there, they're there, here we are, face-to-face, looking each other in the eyes. That's unmediated. There's nothing in between us, right? Mediated communication, mediated, has been around forever. It's not just phones. It's not like this is something new, but letters are a form of mediated communication. Letters are. I mean, I, I, in, in an older time, I wanted to communicate something to you, but we're a long way away from each other. So what am I going to do? I'm going to write you a letter, right? And that letter is the middleman. That letter is going instead of me. It's going instead of me. It's going with my words on it, even when I physically can't be there. And on the, on the one hand, let's, let's just call a spade a spade. That's a, in some ways, that's a common grace of God. Who doesn't like getting a letter in the mail? That's a cool thing. Like, that's a fun thing. Somebody took the time to write me a letter, and I get it. That's a common grace of God. And, 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 and think, about, think about how much of our New Testament we, we wouldn't have if we didn't have letters, right? Most of our New Testament is letters. But even Scripture itself, even the Bible itself, recognizes that unmediated communication, face-to-face communication, is better. It's better. Look at what the Apostle John says in 2 John. I know that's everybody's favorite New Testament book. Read it all the time. 2 John, verse 12. Only one chapter. John said, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. I would rather not use it. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. In today's language, that's like him saying, I could call or text, but I'd rather just wait and talk to you in person the next time I see you. That's what he's saying. Why is unmediated communication face-to-face, why is it better? Why is that better than communicating through a middleman, through a letter, through a call, through a text, through FaceTime, through anything else? Why is face-to-face better? And why is flesh and blood face-to-face even better than FaceTime face-to-face? Not the same. Well, for one thing, it's better because God himself didn't just communicate with us through words, but he came in person in Jesus Christ, right? That's how God did it. The one that John in 1 John says, hey, we saw him with our eyes, we touched him with our hands. He was here, flesh and blood, right? God did it, so we we ought to prefer it. But for another thing, communication is just better face-to-face if for a number of reasons. Let's just say... Let's just say somebody does something that makes you mad. Somebody said something, somebody did something, and you're, you're steaming about it, right? And you want to just send them a nasty text. You could do that. But if you wait, if you, if you prize face-to-face communication, 
you might, if I'm saying, well, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to talk to them the next time I see them. You might think better of something you had planned to say by the time you see them face to face and you don't say what you initially wanted to say. It just helps you be smart about what you do say. Also, you may want to say something, but when you get face to face, you're not brave enough to do it. And that's God's grace to you. How many times also have we miscommunicated through a text? Because you can't, you, can't, uh, you can't communicate tone of voice. You can't communicate humor is not understood. All sorts of things can go wrong. Here's something else why I think face-to-face -face communication is better than through a, through a device. Um, there is something good about absence about absence that we miss when, when, when technology makes us communicate so effortlessly. Um, absence can be a good thing. When we immediately jump to, to FaceTime to speak with someone when we're away, just, just one example. Um, when I was in seminary, Laura and I were engaged. We weren't yet married. We were engaged. But one, one of the summers when I was in seminary, I did mission work on the other side of the country, Las Vegas, Nevada. I lived for a whole summer in Las Vegas. We were engaged, uh, and when, when I left, I had, I had a physical photograph of her and a cell phone. I had a cell phone at that point, a flip phone, right? So all summer long, we're engaged, right? We're engaged to be married. She's my fiance. But all I had for three months of our engagement was a photograph of her and occasional phone calls, right? In other words, I did not see flesh and blood Laura. I didn't even see a FaceTime version of, of, of Laura for three months of our engagement. And let me tell you, like, there's, a, there's an old phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder. It does. It does. There's something about that absence that in and of itself is not always a good thing, but it does something good in you. That, and, it, and that's true not just in like a romantic way, but like imagine what it would be in your life if you didn't have a phone. And if, you, if you're here and you don't have a phone, there, instead, of, instead of beating your parents' doors down, please get me a phone, just enjoy this time. Enjoy this time. Because imagine if you didn't have a phone and you went away to summer camp or something like that and you didn't see your friends for three months, how awesome it would be when you come back and you see your friends again face to face. Like that's a great time that you never experience because you're constantly FaceTiming, right? Prioritize being together in person. But technology doesn't just cost us when it comes to communication with other people. It can cost us in our relationship with God. One way that it does is, is come back to something I said this morning about distraction. Technology makes us chronically distracted because, because of our habits with our phones and with social media. But reading, reading, and being able to pay attention to something for longer than just a, a fraction of a second that is a huge part of our relationship with God. The ability to do that. Think about Joshua 1.8, for, for example. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. 
You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Meditate on it day and night. That requires a lot of focus that we, that we increasingly seem to be allergic to. Why do we have increasing trouble reading the Bible or studying the Bible or anything else for good periods of time without getting distracted? Why do we get bored so easily? Why do we get distracted so easily? Because the longest thing we usually read these days is the size of a caption on a photo or the length of a TikTok video. Like, and we just, we just said this morning, we've seen again, we can't walk faithfully with Christ without reading and meditating on His Word. And we can't do that if every other waking moment of our lives is fixated on endless distractions and a constant attention switching. Entertainment is an easy thing to get addicted to, and it can be an enemy to knowing God. And another way that technology, despite despite all of its common grace benefits, another way that it can cost us in our relationship with God, going back to something Aaron said last night, it preaches a false gospel um, that is easy to believe without even trying or noticing. In 1985, Neil Postman wrote a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. You should read it at some point. Amusing Ourselves to Death. And early in that book, this is what he said. In every tool we create, an idea is embedded that goes beyond the function of the thing itself. In every tool we create, an idea is embedded in it that goes beyond the function of the thing itself. Now, I know that sounds complicated, and you may have no idea what he just said, but that is so important to know. Um, he get, here's the example he gave with that, and hopefully this will help you understand what he's saying right there. He, he, here's the example. He said, eyeglasses, eyeglasses were invented in the 12th century, in the 1100s, and it made it possible for you to improve your vision. Eyeglasses did. That's, that's technology on my face. And uh, that's a common grace of God. It's a great thing. I'm grateful for it, right? But it also, the invention of eyeglasses carried with it an idea. And that idea is this, that we no longer have to accept as final the eyesight that I was born with. I don't have to accept as final the, de the deterioration of my eyesight as I get older. That doesn't have to be the final word anymore. In other words, it carries with the idea that we can control more things and that that's always a good thing. We should always desire that. We should be able to, 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 to alter what nature has given me. That's the idea that came with the eyeglasses. And that's an idea that goes just beyond the function of eyeglasses and, and every tool, every tool that humans create carry with it some idea like that, right? It carries with it some, some version of a highest good that I should go after, that I should want, that I should pursue. And with the internet and with our phones and with social media and video games, entertainment seems to be one of those things. Inter entertainment seems to be 
a highest good or, or something it's promoting, something it's preaching that I should go after, I should want. And we believe it. It's a false gospel that we believe. That what I need in this moment is distraction. That's what I want. Right? And we, we buy it, and we believe that because the designers design those things, and it makes that thing easy to love, easy to desire, easy to keep coming back to. And over time, we can love those things more than God. We never say that with our words, but our actions do. So what do we do? If we're living in this technological world, how then are we supposed to live in it? Um, it, yeah, wisely, but how do we make the best use of our time? And uh, so what's the course correction we need to make? And we're going to land the plane here. The course correction. I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to try to tee this up for your small group time as well as uh, I will hand it over to Aaron for tomorrow to get more brass tacks. But let me offer two broad two broad suggestions as we close. First, if you want to be more discerning if you understand the chaos, that it is chaos, and you understand that if you don't do anything, it's going to cost you in some ways, you say, what do I do? Two broad su suggestions. If you want to be more discerning about the technology we use, ask more questions. Ask more questions. That's one broad suggestion. Aaron provided a long list of questions from a guy named, how do you say it, L.M. Sakasas? Sakasas. Um... And you're going to talk about some of these questions in your small group. But he, you know, it was a very long list. But he said, when you're going to, if you're going to get a new device or you're going to get a new app on your phone or you're going to sign up for social media for the first time or whatever it is you're going to do, he had questions like, what sort of person will using this technology make you? What sort of person will it be? I mean, I think Twitter has made a lot of people angry people. Angry people, right? Um, what or 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 what what habits what habits will using this instill in me or how 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 will this change how I spend my time how will this uh how will this change how I relate to other people just ask questions be be a thinking person there are a bunch of them you're going to talk about them in your small groups later but the important thing to take away is just don't be mindless. Just because a new video game comes out, you don't have to play it. It could be a terrible game, right? Just because you're, this guy over here is on, 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 on some kind of social media, it doesn't mean you have to be on it. You, you might, but you might ask a few questions and decide, you know what, that just wouldn't be good for me, right? And you wouldn't be dumb. You'd actually be wise for deciding that, right? And, 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 and your, your, like I said, your answers to those might not be the same as somebody else's. So you might have to make a decision for yourself that somebody else doesn't make for themselves. You might, you might decide not to be on social media at all when everybody else is. And there, there's a ton of good reasons to be that way, right? But at least you'll have, you'll have thought through it and you can be confident. So one, ask questions. And that last thing I said gets to the second and final point of application here, which is embrace weird. Embrace weird. Um, just because everybody else is on an app or a game or a device doesn't mean you have to. And you're like, you know, 
you, you, we talk about being in the world but not of it. Um, that's not something you need to push out of your life, right? It, 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 the reason I say embrace weird, if you are a professing believer and follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to have many, many times in your life of following Christ faithfully. You're going to have many, many times when you're going to have to make hard decisions that make you look weird. You're, you're going to. You're going to have to make a lot of decisions in life that aren't popular, that are out of step with the culture, and that's going to make you look weird to the culture if you want to follow Christ. And so you can start practicing making those kinds of decisions in small, silly ways, like do I, on social media, you know? Small ways with technology that are going to come in handy later on when you have to make harder decisions to follow Christ. Those are, two, those are two, two things that I want to leave with you that you're going to talk more about in your small groups and that Aaron will talk about more tomorrow. Ask more questions of your technology and embrace being weird if you have to. Let me pray for us, and then uh, I'll turn it back over to the band.